Real people. Real opinions. Real Talk Radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Hi Niall. I'm a mother of three on disability. I receive social welfare payments of €250 a week. Uh, My husband works full-time in a factory. I don't know what he earns, but he works six days a week. Pardon me. And he always seems to have money. He gives me 25 or 30 euro a week for the shopping and he expects a proper meal every single day. I pay the bins, the small bills, uh, but I'm left broke every week as the shopping comes to 100 to 150. I'm in debt and having to take out loans uh, for the Christmas period. Uh, I've tried and tried to bring up the question of more money, but he causes a fight every single time. I'd appreciate your advice on the matter. Whoever sent in that email, I, I didn't want to read out your name obviously on the air, but you're probably listening to the show you need to be out of that marriage. As far as I'm concerned, I'm not an expert. But one person who is an expert is Sarah Coles, who's a financial expert, who talks regularly about financial control. Good afternoon to you, Sarah. Good afternoon. Uh, Sarah, you heard that email that I got to the show. I got it a couple of weeks ago to the show, and I meant to get around to it, but it ties in perfectly with what we're talking about today. Because when we think of abuse, we often think about physical or emotional abuse. But of course, financial abuse is in existence. And you talk about this quite a lot. Yes, I mean it's 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 not it's not something that's terribly well known because it's something that really only sort of passed its legislation relatively recently. Um, but yes, financial abuse—it's kind of financial abuse and sort of more more generally economic abuse. So, but it can be all sorts of different things. So it can be you know it can include sort of control over how you work maybe, or or whether you know you can study or work, or it might make you work longer or hours and they refuse to work. Um, it can be about assets, so they might hold all the assets in their name. You know, and they might they might restrict access to you so you might be able to use things like a mobile phone or a car um, and it can be things like um, you know not letting you have access to information about your own accounts or about the household accounts and sort of insisting on doing things like you know um, having all the cash and giving you an allowance and then there's an, a lot of areas of control over that allowance and sort of you know the, the whether or not you've got enough money to make ends meet we, um, talk, so we talked about this in the office area. today and, and you have personal experience and that's how you well, so you went down this road you know and obviously talking a lot about this and you talk about your own personal uh, experiences of this. You know, if you bought something, for example, that your your past husband didn't, or a partner, I'm sure he's your husband or your partner, um, didn't approve of, that he would withdraw completely, walk out, be gone for hours. You know, mm-hmm. this is in front of your children, give you the cold shoulder. In other words, what, yeah. if you went out shopping and brought home a few, you know, bargains that you picked up or something like that, or a pair of shoes or something, why would he do that? It's, it's, unfortunately, it's one of those things that I will never know. Um, it, it is very complicated and difficult to know why people feel the need to take to take control like that. But yes, I mean, it was it was uh, financial abuse tends to come with other sorts of abuse. So in my particular instance, it was this sort of emotional abuse. This, and often he would disappear with the kids as well because he knew that that would make me, you know, incredibly stressed out because they were very young at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's it kind of gets covered. In some instances, it can get covered with things like um, you know physical abuse and those sorts of things as well. So people are afraid to bring it up because actually the consequences of tackling this financial abuse can be much bigger so you know in my case it was you'd end up sort of feeling punished so for example if i'm you know um, one particular memorable day um when i bought a you know i bought a dvd um on the way home on a friday because i thought it'd be a nice thing to do hardly a huge investment by the way can i point out yeah yeah (laughs) well exactly but it was because it wasn't something that 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 he approved of then you know he then left with the children and was sort of gone for most of the weekend so it, it, it's what an overreaction! It's, I mean, that's incredible <laughs> overreaction, isn't it? I mean, well, well we were yeah, talking I mean, about this morning in the office, myself and Jeremy and Jane and John were in the office, and we were having a chat about it this morning. 
And and Jer was saying that like if he was going to buy something at home, he doesn't have to get approval. And I said, absolutely, you shouldn't have to get approval, right? Let's say, for example, he wanted to spend 200 quid on, on a, a man's gadget because men love buying gadgets, electronic <laughs> gadgets, right? But, but, you know, when you're a couple and when you're a team, you do have a limited budget. So is it not okay, you know, it's not, certainly not, I wouldn't say, consider financial abuse to say to your wife or for the wife to say to you, listen, I was thinking of spending, you know, 200 quid on, on such and such. Are we all right for that this month? You know what I mean? That, that's that's just working together, isn't it? Exactly. Yes. I mean, so every couple has to compromise. It's you know, it's unheard of for two people to get together and have exactly the same views on money. And particularly at the moment, we're all having to make really difficult decisions about money. So the real the key here really is, is is the sort of well, you're talking about the sort of the agreements that people are coming to that you both have got an input into that. So you both sort of taking responsibility, taking control and making decisions together. It's more if one person is imposing their view and also particularly if that view isn't based on something that's logical. So if one person is saying, no, absolutely, we can't go out and spend 500 quid on this because we don't have a penny in the account, then that's, you know, it's, it's, it's quite a, quite a, you know, <laughs> a logical thing for to them say, to yeah. yeah. But if it's, if it's, you know, you can't go, I don't know, buy a DVD or get a takeaway when you've got money in the, you know, in the account that you could afford it, that's when it becomes an issue that's much yeah. more around control, which tends to be sort of much more the emotional side than actually you know, it's kind of using finance as a tool rather than trying to work sensibly with finance. I mean, in the old days, I suppose, it was always a case of having a joint bank account. Um, when people got married, it was a kind of exciting thing to get the joint bank account. Nowadays, that's less and less a thing. Um, from your point of view and from your expert advice, would you advise people to have a joint bank account, apart from, say, the mortgage account, which they have to have anyway? Well, it's, it's always one of those things. It, I, the thing I would advise is people have a conversation about it really early on. So they work out what works for them. So some people, you know, I, I know couples work brilliantly together, joint account, they agree every penny. You know, they, they literally agree every penny. Um, I know other people who have joint account, they keep like a massive spreadsheet and they kind of work out every single thing that they spend. But then there's lots of people who have, you know, an account for bills and then they can keep their money separate. So it's really just working out what's going to work for you. I think one of the big things that becomes an issue is where, where the earnings are very unequal. So something to do with your, you know, your emails, emailers sort of position where that's a terrible position. That's a shocking amount. position to be in. It, it is. I mean, it's, in some cases, so for example, you'll get people who somebody has a lot, you know, a lot more money coming in than somebody else, and so then it becomes a difficult discussion about. But that's how control, much isn't it? That's control. In, this, in that instance, yes. I mean, that's like my father. I, I remember, look, I, you know, I'm 59, so I'm going right back to the 1960s here when, you know, when men were men <laughs> and women stayed at home in those days. My father would come home. I always remember it. He got paid every two weeks in his job and he would give my mother money for the messages. That's what we call it in Ireland, by the way. That means the groceries. So he would give her money for the messages. So he would give her like, at the time, he was quite generous about it, I think, because he was in a good job. He would give her 50 quid or 100 quid for the... the and every now and again, if I suppose if she behaved herself, she got an extra few quid for a dress. You know what I mean? You know, get yourself a nice dress there. You know what I mean? Or, what, or whatever, you know, an extra few quid or a bonus at Christmas. Or, But that was old school. And you expected that back in the 1950s and 60s because that's the world the way the world was. But we don't expect that in 2023, do we? Well, no, I mean, there are lots of occasions when, you know, only one member of the couple works. And so, you know, you do have to work to a certain degree on the basis of, you know, this person brings the money in and then it gets divvied up. Um, and whether or not that happens, but, you know, you know, there's a sort of a household budget that comes out of it that you can spend. I think the sort of the red flags from your from your um, emailer, definitely the fact that, you know, he's not 
opening up about how much he's earning. So that sort of secretive element where you're not allowed to have sight of the family finances. And then the huge disparity of he's got plenty of money and she's in debt. That's a real classic that, um, you know, somebody who's trying to control it will only give the amount of money that won't quite allow that person to live the life they need to. Mm. So it's, it's, it's those elements that are the real way. There are people who do work on that basis still where, you know, there's a, there's a sort of a household, um, you know, a sum of cash that can get used for the household. And, and as long as it's enough money and everybody's happy with it, then that, that's, that's a way of working that can still work. You know, that, that old traditional approach can still work. Um, but it has to be something that everybody buys into. Otherwise, you know, it, in this, things like this particular situation is really, really toxic. I'm looking here, there's a text here from somebody who says, Niall, I find myself in that same position. I'm married for the last 20 years. I hand over every penny I earn. And yes, we do share the money. Uh, but generally speaking, if I need money, if it's be it for diesel or going out at the weekend with some of my friends, I have to ask my wife for money. I feel like I'm going with cap in hand constantly. And sometimes she says no. Uh, is that financial control? I, I would say it is, isn't it? Well, it's, I mean, I if guess... If he has to ask her for money... Well, I mean, if, if she also has to ask, then and and sometimes he says no, then that's sort of give and take. And if you know, if you're saying I want such and such money for this, and they don't have the cash, then you know, there's lots of nuance to it. But if it's but it's, it sounds like she's in control of the bank account, or she's in control of the family finances. And by the way, sometimes in relationships, one person is better at controlling family finances than the other. One person can be spend too much, for example. <laughs> Another person can be a little bit thriftier. So one person can be better at organising, and that's fine. That's how teams work together, and a couple can work together. But if you have yeah. to go to your to your missus, and she's looking after the account, and you have to say to her, "Can I have twenty quid for petrol?" Knowing that the money is there. And, mm-hmm. you know, and you have to ask for it. It, it, it doesn't feel right, does it? There's, I mean, I think that's, that's something that, that, that actually you can discover when you're having a conversation with people about money. So often when someone's a victim of financial abuse, they won't really want to talk about it. But when they're talking about money, if you're sort of trying to get them to open up a bit, there will be some bits of their language that, that do indicate that there's something of the control about it. And asking permission is a really big part. Mm-hmm. And not being allowed to spend money on something is, you know, those are, those are sort of flags that should lead to further questions. Yeah. So if someone's, you know, saying, I have to ask and sometimes I'm not allowed, then you really need to go a little bit deeper into what you're asking for and why it's being refused just to see whether there's something you know, untoward going on within that sort of relationship yeah. and the control there or, or whether it's just the way, you know, just the language they're happening to use because they're a bit cross that they couldn't spend money that, that they couldn't afford. I mean, in your situation, you know, if you stood your ground from what you've written, you were punished basically for standing your ground and tougher rules would be implemented over your spending. Mm. So in other words, it got worse if you decided yeah. to stand up for your rights. From what you've read, and, and I'm sure you've looked into it in the research in relation to it, are women or men victims of this more than the other? Is this a gender thing? Is it still a gender thing? Because it would have been certainly 50 or 60 years ago. But is it still a gender thing? Well, it's, I mean, it's really important that everyone feels that, you know, they don't feel uncomfortable about talking about it as, as you know, happening to them. So it can happen to absolutely anyone. I mean, the fact that it happened to me and I'm a financial expert, it's a sign that it doesn't matter, man, woman, you know, it doesn't, and it's not necessarily just within a relationship. It can also happen between parents and children, you know, like um, sort of elderly parents and their grown-up children. So there's all sorts of different relations that can happen to, but it does tend to overwhelmingly be women who are victims. Um, and that's got a lot to do with, you know, the fact that women tend to earn less and, and, you know, they tend to have caring responsibilities in periods of time when they don't earn and all those other cultural things. But, yeah, it does tend to be something that just tends to happen more to women. And I suppose when you start to get financially controlled, and many people are being financially controlled, you then lose your identity, don't you? Because 
you, yeah. you don't feel like an individual anymore. You don't feel independent because as much as we're in a, in a marriage and we're, you know, we're united together and we're a team, you still have to keep your own identity and your own individualism as well, don't you? Yes, and I, and I think also because people lose their own control over their own money, it then it actually hasn't makes it incredibly difficult to leave. So there's lots of lots of people who've become victims, and they, you know, I mean, your, your um, emailer who got, you know, ended up with debts. So it's not just that you don't have any money to rebuild; you end up with debts, and so you're kind of digging yourself out of a massive hole. And, and of course, with all the you know, the, what's happening to prices now, the thought of trying to leave, extricate yourself from this complicated relationship and start again with less than nothing is a massive problem for people. And, it, you know, I think if anybody's facing it, it feels really overwhelming. And, they, they you know, it's mm. worth knowing. It's a huge that, hill to climb, you know, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and you, you, know, you, need to, you do need to speak to someone and you do need to get some help. And that can be, you know, there's lots of charities who are involved in this area mm. who you can talk to and they can sort of help you make, make your way through this process because it can feel just too much to handle on your own and you think, well, I can't afford to leave. That's a, quite a common problem. I mean, I remember talking to somebody going back a while ago when they were in that very situation where they were afraid to leave somebody because of the financial advantage that person had over them. In other words, they had a lot more money. And I was kind of trying to talk about it and I was saying... Well, okay, you're not getting on. He hadn't done anything particularly wrong to her, by the way. They just fell out of love. Uh, and or, or vice versa, she hadn't done anything wrong to him. They just had fallen out of love. But she couldn't move on because, you know, he paid the mortgage. He paid the bills. She didn't have much money. She just had a part-time job. And I was saying, but that's not really... She was kind of blaming him. And I went, I understand you're in a difficult situation, but that's not his fault, just that he happens to be more successful than you. Was I wrong in saying that? Well, I think, I mean, it, you know, I think any time, I mean, any split is, is really financially difficult for everybody. So, you know, just the very fact that you're taking money that used to supply one household and it's somehow got to supply two, it's always hard. Um, and also, you know, emotions are always going to be running high in that sort of situation. So even if there's no, no financial coercion, no sort of financial control at all, then, you know, people will feel hard done by it. So it's, it's only natural to feel in that situation, um, especially if, you know, something emotional has gone on and you're blaming them for the fact that you've got the split in the first place. Mm. Um, but I think it's, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, you're talking about losing your identity and, and the idea of starting again when you've lost, you tend to lose a lot of confidence um, and you tend to be quite anxious around money. So that can add to the difficulty of leaving because you just think, you know, can I actually start again? Am I, am I capable anymore of doing this? Yeah. So it, it, it's a quite a big rebuild of, of not just your finances, but your emotions as well. And it's, it's a, it is a lot to take on. And that's why people do need yeah. the sort of support of family and friends and, and you know, any charities that, that are involved that they can, they can help them. Yeah. And there, there is a lot of, and there's a lot of financial organisations out there like MABS and places like that where you can go to for help, by the way, if anybody wants to. Um, and we, we'll give out a number for that a little bit later on. But look, it's a very interesting piece and it's very interesting reading to, to see how you were treated. But how are you now, Sarah, by the way, after all of that? And as a, financial, a senior personal finance analyst, <laughs> you would imagine you would be the last person who would be in any kind of financial control. But how are you now? Have you, is your life a lot better now? Yes, yes. It's, I mean, it, it, for me, it's, it, it was quite a long time ago. Um, yeah. So, it, it's, 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 you know, life has changed a lot. I mean, it's, it's always worth, you know, because people don't think things are ever going to get better. And actually knowing that, you know, you, go, you do go through that difficult period. Things are going to get worse before they get better. But then they do start to improve. Um, I, I mean, my situation is quite different because, um, unfortunately, my, my um, ex-partner passed away. Mm. Um, so for me, I don't have the same problems that a lot of people have yeah. where the problems continue to rumble on. So if you've got children together, it can, 
you know, the, 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 it becomes, you know, the maintenance then becomes an issue and, and there's lots of control still goes on in those relationships. Yeah. So I, I, I'm not going to pretend that life is always great for everybody forever afterwards. It, you know, there is, there, is, there is a process to go through and it can be tricky along the way. It's, but It's kind of funny how we look back at our lives in hindsight at things that happen to us in our lives and think, well, you know, I'd never let that happen now. But how did you let it happen in the first place is what you always question yourself over. How did I allow? Because you can yeah. look at it when you look at it from the outside in and you can see yourself in that situation. Mm-hmm. You you get so angry sometimes. You think, how did I allow that to happen? You know, how did well, I, you know. I mean, it's, it's, it's the old, it's the, I mean, it's a really horrible adage, but the whole thing about, you know, boiling a frog, that the, this happens very, very, very slowly. So the the boiling a frog hideous thought is that, you know, the frog jumps into boiling water, it's hot, it jumps out. But if you warm that water very gently, it stays in and it, it'll die. And that's basically how mm. things like financial abuse happen because it's, you know, it starts so innocuously. With me, it was, you know, I'd go out with a friend and he'd say, oh, I don't think you need to spend any money. And I didn't really think very much of that. But just over time, it's built and built and built, and then you get used to it and you compromise, and you know, and then you suddenly find yourself in a position of living with incredibly difficult rules. Um, but it's because it's happened over a period of time. You just don't you don't see it happening. Yes. And you're you know the, the other person's working very hard to convince you that you're the one who's being unreasonable. Um, so looking back, I you know I do feel terribly sorry for me ten years ago, but I can see exactly how I ended up in that situation, and and it's, you know it's. The, the temptation to, to blame somebody for allowing it to happen, you know, it, it's that being a victim is not your fault. You know, being a victim is it's entirely down to the person who's, you know, Could abusing you. you. Yes. Yeah. And okay. so it, it's, it's very important that people who go through this don't feel bad about themselves because it could happen to anyone. Well, it is a shocking story and, and one that's replicated all over the world and one that's replicated in that email uh, that I just read out and just my personal advice. Maybe I shouldn't be giving advice because I'm not an expert. <laughs> my personal advice, the person who wrote that email, I would leave that man as soon as I possibly could because he's not nice to you. But listen, thank you very much indeed. Sarah Coles, financial expert. I appreciate you coming on the air today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, now, I want to throw it out there as well to you our callers in relation to financial control. Well, not so much financial control, but about bank accounts. And we talked, going back a while ago, whether you should have a joint bank account when you meet up with your other half or your potential life partner. Uh, And a lot of people kind of said, yeah. And some people said, no, you should have single bank accounts. And then here's another question. Should your partner know how much you have in your single bank account? Is that that fair? Jane! Want to just switch around there for a second? Hang on. Jane, in the future, I know you're not married yet or anything like that, but in the future, do you believe that when you're married or in a secure partnership, because some people just never get married, they just stay in a partnership forever, you know, with your soulmate. Do you believe that your partner, because I know you agree with separate bank accounts, Mm -hmm. right? But should your partner know how much you have? Uh, I don't think it's necessary, no. I think... At all? Um... I mean, I think you you could have one joint one. Does he should he or, have an should he have an idea? Well, when I say an idea of you know of your finances to a degree about your affordability, are you not not to the penny? You know that'd be silly if you kept to keep reminding your partner I have X amount of money yeah, in my bank account. But should they know your affordability? Should they know? Well, Jane roughly has you know she's less than ten grand, like you know what I mean, or she's over ten grand, or should they know your affordability to know where we stand in this relationship? Do, do you have kids? Who? No, in this oh, situation. Oh, in this final, oh, this yeah, hypothetical, hypothetical situation. Um, okay, yeah, you have two children. Okay, I think if you have kids, it's more uh, necessary to do okay. that. Okay, and why is that when you have kids? Because if something happens, an emergency, I suppose you need to know how much money you both have at your disposal. Okay. But if you don't have kids, definitely not. I don't think so. All right, okay. 
So Jane doesn't believe it's necessary that she wants to keep that part of independence in her life and keep the, her identity. And part of your identity is things like that are private. And she believes that should remain to some degree uh, private, unless you have kids and you have to work together as a team to support those children. But let me know what you think. The number is 087 The question I'm going to ask today is based on what we were talking about earlier on. And I don't want to make it too serious to some degree, but but do you have to get permission? Should you? Should you have to get permission for an investment? Like, for example, lads, I'm going to ask you, if you wanted to buy a PlayStation, <laughs> I guess something laddy, or, or a ticket to a football match that might cost 200 quid in the Aviva Stadium or something, I don't know. Do you have to get, do you have to run it past your wife first? And if you didn't, would she cut your you-know-whats off? Ladies, you want to buy a pair of, I don't know, expensive shoes. No, no, I'm, no, I'm talking about, not lipstick. Expensive shoes. What's that, Louis Vuittons, is it? Yeah, and you know, they're, say they're 250 quid or an expense, or a handbag you've fallen in love with and it's two or 300 quid. Do you have to run it past your other half before you can spend that amount of money? Let me know if that's okay, or you think it's okay that you have to run it past your other half. Or is that just courtesy to run a pasture of their half? The number is 087 Do you have to get permission for, you know, for a reasonably expensive investment? That's the question. Hi, Niall, I Hi. strongly advise against joint accounts. My son has been left homeless and penniless thanks to a devious person. Ooh. Oh, well. Lesson learned. Next Lesson week. learned, yeah, absolutely. And by the way, on that note, I understand the point you were making. But that's not just down to the joint bank accounts because that suggests that while they were in a relationship that he should have had some sort of, you know, single bank account to himself where he didn't tell her how much he had. Yeah, and I get you in hindsight. It probably would have been a good idea with the sounds of you in that circumstance. Yeah, I see, when, you, when a relationship breaks down, if there's no kids involved... When a relationship breaks down, everything, if you've been living with somebody, I'm talking about married or living with somebody for a number of years, everything should be split 50-50. And that should be just it. There shouldn't be no, it should be unnecessary to go to court. If you're in a relationship with somebody for, say, 20 years and you've purchased a house together or you've purchased cars together or you've purchased things together, everything that you own should be just split 50-50. It doesn't matter who spent the most amount of money on it. It doesn't matter where who worked harder. It doesn't matter who had a better job and earned more money. Everything should be just split 50-50. Pensions, 50. Down the middle. All the way. If there's kids involved, as long as the kids are over the age of 18, as far as I'm concerned, everything should be split 50-50. Down the middle. That's the way it should go. There should be no argument about it. If the kids are under 18 years of age, you have an obligation then to your children to make sure they have a roof over their heads. Nothing gets split until those children are 18 years of age. Some some judges will say 23. I personally don't agree with it. I think it's 18. After that, you've got to figure things out together. In the best interest of the children, probably. Uh, the number is 87 Question simply is, do you need or do should you have to get permission from your other half? See, permission sounds awful. It's not a nice word. But should you have to should you have to have an agreement with your other half when you want to spend, you know, two hundred quid, let's say, or three hundred quid? It's radio. Mary, how are you? I'm okay, Niall, and you? Good, you having a good day today? I am actually. Are it's Friday. F- are you looking forward to the weekend? I am. I'm going away for the weekend. Oh, where are you going? Which kind of you know, comes on to your whole financial abuse thing. Oh, okay. 
and mine is the opposite of financial abuse. It's my uncle's birthday this weekend, so I'm going up to meet him. Okay. And um, my husband has said to take his card to pay for my accommodation and to pay for my dinner tomorrow night. Ah, that's so, nice, isn't you it? you know, when I see what some people are going through... I know. I'm just amazed because, you know, my husband is very, very decent and I could buy whatever I want. You don't, he doesn't... soap. Except soap? Yeah. Why soap? Because I have about 130 bottles of soap <laughs> and he's like... Jesus have you got a, another one. Have you got a soap obsession? I actually do. The last bottle I brought home, I told him that they gave it to me for free in TK Maxx. <laughs> did you lie to your husband? I did, actually. Oh, he's listening About today. financial matters. You Come lied to him about the soap in TK Maxx. <laughs> <laughs> Mary, that, and that sounds like a lovely relationship, but that's the way relationships should be. And, yeah. But it's so sad. When I read out that email that we had got a couple of weeks ago, which tied in what we were talking about Sarah today, so that's why I decided to read it out. That woman who's on the disability and gets her social welfare and her husband hands her 25 to 30 euro a week, even though he has a full-time job six days a week in a factory. And, the, and then, you know, it's like, it reminds me of the old days of our dads and mas. When your dad would come home and say to your mother, here's money for the messages and here's 20 quid, buy yourself a nice new dress. But that's because not what a... happened in my house. No, I know, but that's what happened. my dad handed over all these wages and my mother gave him 20 pounds. That's, and that's happening too now, a lot. But, but what I described happened many, many years ago to a lot of people. And, yeah. and, but that was just the times there was. That was just those times. We can write that off as that was just the times. It's not acceptable anymore to hand somebody money and pat them on the head and say, there's money for a dress, you're a good girl, off you go now. And that that's not acceptable. Or indeed, for a woman to say to a man, you have to give me all your money and you have to beg me for money for petrol. He didn't have, well, you know, I'm talking about my situation, you know. Mm. 20 pounds was a good bit of money. You know, you could go out for points. He didn't have to pay for fuel or pay for anything. That was like to go out. And if he wanted anything else, you know, there was never an issue, mm. you know, with getting anything. But do you think but it's I important to keep separate bank accounts? Do you think it's important to keep separate bank accounts? Oh, yeah. 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 And, and I mean, the situation I was calling about, I think, is just horrendous. Yeah, yeah. Where this lady, you know, her husband left her, initially was paying half the bills and 50 euro maintenance, but has now stopped paying the bills, but not increased the maintenance. Right. Like, we can all see how groceries have increased. And how many kids have they got? There's two kids. And how are the kids young? They're under 10. Oh, no. See, well, when you've chil- young children, you have an obligation to them. As a couple, if, yeah. either, if either one of you decide to go, that's your decision, you still have that same obligation. Yeah. To provide a roof for those children and food for those children and clothes for those children and an education. So you've, you, you've, you've an obligation to them. It was a barrister said to me once years ago, money follows the children. And, and that's a true fact. And it yeah. should. You know what yeah. I mean? Stay there for a second. Michelle, you're an Ireland's Classic. It's radio. How are you doing, Michelle? Good afternoon. How are you now? Uh, well, see, Mary's in a nice situation. She's heading off for the weekend. Hubby's looked after her. Take my card. Spend what you want. Get yourself a nice meal. That's the way it that's should awesome. be, isn't it, Michelle? Yes, I think so. You mm. know, I only got mm. married three weeks ago, actually. And, um, like, one of the first conversations when we decided to get married was actually about money. Because I think it's a really important conversation to have. Yeah. You know, and I think it's really important that you, 
you know, divvy it out whichever way you want to divvy out. You know, like in our case, we'd have a joint account, but we both equally would have our separate accounts as well. Yeah. Because I said, like my attitude was, I said to him, I don't want to be buying you something for Christmas or your birthday. That kind of, you know... Ruin the surprise. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, so that sense. So I think financial control is just another form of abuse. Myself and my wife have separate Amazon accounts. <laughs> the, re- <laughs> the reason is so, is so as we both don't know what we've ordered for each other for Christmas. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah, you know? yeah. Exactly. But also, I suppose because I work and he works, yeah. I feel that, you know, I want to buy him something out of my money, if you want to call it that way. Yeah. But yet we're still contributing to a joint account for all the things that we have holidays and bills. Would he like know ballpark how wealthy you are and would you know how wealthy <laughs> he is? Do you understand? But like, is your is your account secret? No, I mean it's not secret. I mean he's never asked me how much I have at site. No, but we we talked about it, like, and I know what he has. But that's in my mind, that's his money to do whatever he likes. But but you would spend your money, and he would spend Absolutely. his money on the house as well. You know, say you needed a new cooker or something like that, or or something happened, yeah. or a boiler went. You know, you'd divvy together, and you'd come up with the money out of your own accounts. Exactly, yeah. It wouldn't be a you case know, of, ah, geez, there's not enough in the joint account to fix it, so it just stays broke. No, no absolutely not. No. Like, we, we, I, I would feel that we're a team. Yeah. I always talk about that we're a team and that, you know, every decision we make about our house, ourselves, is talked about. Yeah. You know, and, you know, you try to resolve it the best way you can. But I think that poor lady, I definitely think oh, yeah. she needs to get out the door as fast as she possibly can. I think Mary would agree with you there. She needs to go. To, imagine handing your missus 25 or 30 euro a week in 2023 when you're working full time saying, here's, here's 30 quid. And then you're expecting the dinner to be on the table every day. <laughs> yeah, he's Think again. old fashioned. Exactly. Yeah. Think again, yeah. pal. And yeah. she deserves better. Yeah. She deserves better. And until she, in my mind, puts herself first and starts fighting for what is right for her she will be stuck in this situation because it is a controlling situation. It is. It is controlling. Mary, that, that you would agree that is a controlling situation, isn't it? 100%. Yeah. But, you know, and I would say this to my friend as well, you have to accept some responsibility because you're allowing it. Yep. Yeah, I know. I know. And and, and, she, and that's why I'm saying to this woman if she's listening, um, she is allowing it to happen, but I but I understand that maybe she feels a little bit trapped because she said she's in debt because she'd take loans out over the Christmas. You know, she pays the bins, the small bills. Now I'm assuming by that she but means then he just pays the bills. Them yeah, and say I can't afford it. I don't have the money. Yeah, yeah. You can only stretch th- money so far. Yeah, sorry, Michelle. I also think that when you're in that situation, you've been in it for a long period of time, you don't really see the wood from the trees. No. You may know what's happening, but you feel out of control. And I think you said she had a disability. I mean, I, she I, did, I, yeah. I, she said, I'm, I'm, I'm a mother of three on, dis- on disability. Yeah. yeah. On disability. Like, yeah. So her options in her head are very limited. Yeah. And, you know, like there are very practical things to consider. Like, you know, if I kick him out, who's going to pay the mortgage? You know, where are we going to live? What's going to happen with the kids? You know, it's all that. And that's the pressure. And sometimes I find in my own life situation that when you're overwrought, you can't think straight. But you need to take one thing and start with that. And in her case, I think, you know, she needs to value herself first. Do you need to, when you're in a marriage, right, I'll ask you both this, because this is the conversation we had this morning in the office. Do you need to get, 
the word permission sounds horrible because I don't want, I don't want to use it. But the you know the go ahead <laughs> from your missus if you want to buy something expensive, expensive, and vice versa. By the way, so if you, like if you for example want to buy a pair of Louis Vuitton shoes, you know Mary and Michelle, and you know do you turn around to your partner and say, I'm thinking I'll get a pair of Louis Vuitton shoes, and he goes to you, sure, go on, go on, yeah, have we got the money? Yeah, fire away. You know what I mean? Because obviously with the exception of 5% of the population, most of us are living, you know, we a month to month. So, it, it, do you kind of need to get the go-ahead? Is that, is that fair? Is that a, an equitable relationship where, you, you know, when, when not when you're pinned to the collar, but when you've a limited amount of income between the two of you, that you, you agree if you're going to buy an expensive purchase that you both have to agree on it. Is that okay? No. No? no. I would say yes. You would say, okay. you would say yes, Mary? But I would say... You know, I would say yes. I would say if it's a very, you know, if it's an expensive purchase. And I'm not saying get permission. No, that's a horrible word to use, not permission. Yeah, no. but I would say, you know, you discuss it with them or something. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you're buying, I don't know, a dress for four or 500 euros or more. Well, I think as a courtesy, you'd say it to the other person. If it's joint money or, you know... In my situation, you know, my husband would earn a lot more money than me. So obviously he'd be paying, you know, you know, it's kind of joint, we say joint funds, but it's really his money. I, You know, as a courtesy, I would say, look, I'm buying this dress because we have a wedding coming up or something. And I think that's only courtesy. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I think it is within a relationship. It is courtesy. Um, because I think that's well, it's communication which is the key to any relationship and I'm not saying the other person should turn around to you and say if the money was there and say no I don't agree because that's not a good relationship you know they should be supportive of your decisions provided say yes. it's within your and finances yeah yeah okay we'll, like, say, yeah, we'll say there because I want to go to Brendan Brendan you're in Ireland's classic it's radio hey you Brendan oh sorry I'm losing Brendan there uh, some of the texts coming in here by the way Somebody says, uh, hi now, when my brother got married, he put his crown jewels on a tray and gave them to her. Uh, they remortgaged the house. She wanted a new kitchen. My brother was delighted as he wanted four new tyres for his car. She said, F off. Uh, but yet, she brought her sisters uh, to a soccer match in Liverpool. They stayed for the weekend. He still can't go for a drink with his brother on his own. She has to go. Uh, this is uh, a Meghan Markle. There's a Meghan Markle everywhere. Uh, well, Meghan Markle can afford to be like that. Uh, um, obviously, because they have their own money, him, her and Harry. Although I do think Harry's probably a little bit under the thumb. But yeah, in that relationship, yeah, that's a marriage made in hell. Uh, it sounds like, you know, if he has to beg her for money for the tires for his car, for God's sake. Um, uh, hi, my husband and I are married for 18 years and I've got three kids. I stay at home uh, to wear the family. My husband gets paid monthly and it goes into my account as I look after all the household bills. If my husband is going away for the weekend or needs money, he takes my card or I just take out the money for him. Oh. He has no idea how much we have in the savings for a rainy day. He asks every now and again, and then we are doing okay. Uh, can we afford, etc., etc., a night out? He knows where our bank statements are. I always tell him it's not a secret. It just doesn't, uh, he just doesn't ask. He knows. Now, I'm not going to go on any, any further on that. Now, I, I'm not having a go at you, to be honest with you. But if your husband is putting all his money into the account that you look after and he doesn't have a card for that account that he has to go and ask you for a card or ask you for money, even though you're not saying no, I know you're not, um, I just think that's a, a bad situation to be in. I, for him, 
I think that's demoralising to be in that situation. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio, the multi award winning Niall Boylan show. Ireland's classic.